You're tuning in to This Podcast is a Bad Idea, your one-stop shop for pop culture quirks. I'm Fru, he's Murph. Every episode, we have a new selection of goodies to discuss on the agenda. Today's main topic is going to be the elusive, the mysterious Disney's Society of Explorers and Adventurers. So what is your podcast about? You're listening to... This is a bad idea. It's good to have you back, Murph. I'm back. I'm back from the lands across the sea. You were also exploring and adventuring. Riddled with disease. (laughs) The um, I went. I was away in Ireland for ten days with my family. Uh, my first time ever uh, going international. Nice, nice. Yeah. I went to the land of the Murphs, and boy, howdy, there were a lot of Murphs there. Were there? Yeah, um, I was there for. Um, we did. We did three. Well, it was more like four days in Dingle, which is this cute little like seaside fishing community. Oh, um, and that that was probably the best part of the trip. It's a real nice, quiet town. Every bar has like live music playing. Um, and then we did uh, two nights in Kilkenny over the mountains of Kilkenny uh, for St. Patrick's Day because they have a parade. Oh, very cool. And, and stuff. And that was um, an experience. That was I got a lot of people watching done. Oh, because the thing is, is the um, the drinking age in Ireland is 16 (laughs) and the um, St. Patrick's Day is a bank holiday, which means the schools are closed. So it's Friday, (laughs) three day week, start of a three day weekend. And all the high schoolers were out to get shit faced. Um, And I was walking with my sister. This was like maybe around like 9 p.m. And we were just like walking around getting fresh air after being at a pub. And we were like, are we the oldest people on these streets? <laughs> yes. At one point, this can be cut if this is like too, too le- like, lewd. What I'm about to say happened. I, was, I have no one else to corroborate what, what, what I heard. But I was out on my own, just walking around. Uh, and I passed two girls, and one was kind of dragging the other, and the one being dragged. I was like, Jessica, where are we going? That's Scottish. I can't do an Irish female. But like, <laughs> she's like, where, where are we going? And the other one, sort of like, you know, kind of doing the, like, the drunk stumbles. Oh, no. Was like, we're going we're gonna to go find some boys to pee on us. That's what we're doing. And I just kind of had to resist the urge to, like, snap my head at them. Not in any sort of, like, <gasps> You weren't volunteering. Just, like, you, I, were admi- you were No, I, I just had to, like, visually confirm what I heard, if that makes sense. Like, you are a real person on my periphery, and I just heard th- those words spill out of your mouth. <laughs> you know? I'm all for agency. And the freedom of youth, but sometimes you really need a supervisor. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> it was a bit of a wild night uh, there. You know what? I didn't expect. They are very fond of Neil Diamond in Ireland. 
<laughs> really? every, every other bar I passed, like I can't like it was different hours of the night, but I feel like every other bar I passed, they were doing um, Sweet Caroline. <laughs> and I guess it's because that's just like a really easy song to sing along with. I mean, that's why we love it here. But yeah, they were a lot of Neil Diamond. I heard a lot of uh, people doing uh, covers of Bruce Springsteen. There were a lot of cover wow. bands. Wow. Um, and that was my, my St. Patrick's Day in Ireland. I feel so much more connected to, to the blood of my blood. I was going to say, what did it did it feel did it feel like a part of you had filled that what is that that was previously empty? Um You know, I am I am a kind of person where uh you plonk me in any major city and I'm just kind of like cities is the same. <laughs> um you know, because that's just kind of how it feels. Like, yeah, the, the design may be different, but at the end of the day, cities is the same. Every major metropolitan area feels the same to me. I'm more about, like, the countryside, the small towns. Right. Uh, to, to meet people and learn about, you know, the local cuisine and the local customs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like I said, we started in Dingle, which is a pretty small town, and then moved into Kilkenny and then ended the trip in Dublin. And it was kind of a whiplash because, you know, if I just spent in like my time in Dingle, I would have come back here and been like, wow, Ireland is a magical place. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you go to Kilkenny and, and listen to two girls talking about how they're looking to get peed on. And <laughs> you really learn that we're our similarities bring us closer together than our differences. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And uh, so, you, hello, dear listener. You're you're listening to the first part of our podcast, which is called the Decompress. We're just gonna shoot the shit a bit. Oh my um, god! <laughs> Decompression time. Got the introduction. Uh, the next thing on the agenda here, I have written down: Fru gets into softcore boy love game series, Ace Attorney. You know. Having known nothing about the series before I got into it, I should preface this by saying all Nintendo lovers are giant masochists because we just let Nintendo do things and mm-hmm. we just accept it. Um, mm-hmm. And so, of course, we have some eShops closing very soon. Yes. And I went and I looked through all the games and I found, oh, Ace Attorney is on sale. I've never played. This seems like something to ride up my alley. And then I just looked on the Switch store and saw that it was also on sale. Yeah, the whole remastered, like, trilogy. So I got the bundle with the trilogy and the, like, Ace Attorney Chronicles. I got that whole bundle for, like, $30. Okay. The new one with, um, Herlock Sholmes. <laughs> did you... I love the names. Did you so hear about this? I've literally... <laughs> I know nothing about the series. I've only... I'm, like, halfway through the second case in the, like, in the first game. Mm-hmm. Like literally started last night, and I'm all about it. This is going to be my personality for okay. the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it seems like something that would be up your alley. Um, give it very pun heavy, big personalities, <laughs> uh, some some light homoeroticism. Right. And as soon as you're like, oh, there's a hotel across the street. It's called the Gatewater Hotel. And I was just cackling. This is exactly mm-hmm. my level of humor. 
and just a little bit a little bit salacious in the violence just just enough yeah i i've never played them myself i've watched some streams and mm-hmm. I, I know plenty of people who just like casually drop ace attorney info expecting me to cotton on <laughs> um I mean, I'm surprised to hear that you have not played it. It also seems like something that would also be up your alley. No, it's it's on, like, I think it's on the docket for, like, a, a Daydream cast or something. Nice, um, nice. I, like, a year ago, I contemplated getting it, but I decided to save money instead. And it's kind of just one of all those, one of those things where, like, oh, well, if I have a dry spell, I'll pick it up. But the the backlog is omnipresent and ever-growing. Ever nice, nice. You know? So, yes. <laughs> I'm all about it, but I've also heard that you've unexpectedly become a fan of something. Um, yeah, you know, I had a, uh, you know, not, not to bring the mood down, I've, it's been a long month for me, mm-hmm. for various, uh, in sundry things, uh, a, a friend of mine, uh, their brother died in a car oh. crash, oh and then God. the immediate next day, I had to put my dog of 13 years down. Oh, holy shit. And and then the immediate next day, my the water main in my house uh, sprung a huge leak. Oh my god! <laughs> then I went to Ireland. Then I came back and had and had Corona. <laughs> no! No! Oh my god! Um. So during that interim period of uh water main exploding and going to Ireland, I had like a three day period feeling very down and i just said i need so- i need to laugh at something but i need it not to have any emotional stakes whatsoever <laughs> and so i said i have never watched a jackass before <laughs> and so i watched all the jackass movies over a three night period <laughs> Uh, all, all one through four, including the point fives, I watched them all. Like uh, when I say I've never watched a Jackass, I've seen like clips on YouTube. I've seen yeah. particular bits, yeah. but like never really like sat down and watched them all the way through. <clears throat> oh my god! Okay, so I'm very happy um, to hear this, but it also informs a lot of what I was watching from the outside for a while. I'm just like, I know something's <laughs> up but I don't know how okay you are, but I'm going to let you do yeah. your thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you know what? It, uh, Jackass was exactly the kind of pick-me-up I needed. I'm um, so happy to hear yeah. that. <laughs> I kind of always had... Am I, am I off base saying, like, my perception of Jackass was more... That it was a lot more, like, frat bro-y, like, 90... Like, 2000s edgelord kind of You're humor. Not Whereas... When you actually watch it, it's remarkably wholesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I say anytime, this as a huge lover of Jackass. Anytime anyone's injured, like someone, like, the, you know, people come in and pat them on the back. Everybody's laughing. Everyone's having a good time. <laughs> except for uh, Poopies <laughs> in the fourth one. And that's, I don't think Poopies <laughs> will make it into Jackass 5. I think do, he's... do not blaspheme my beloved Poopies. I love him so much. I don't know about poopies. The rest of the new <laughs> cast in four, um, I'm pretty okay with. Dark Shark is the real standout star. Oh, he really is. <laughs> he really is. Some people go through active trauma in this series. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I wasn't too certain about like anything with Bam Margera and Snakes. 
Yeah. Or it's like, Bam's really afraid of snakes, so we're going to trap him in this room and put out a King Cobra. <laughs> but and it's like, just like, you know, I'm worried about the snake in that situation. Yes. Because if it were me, and you put, like, an animal I'm afraid of, like, spider, I'm not afraid of spiders. Mm-hmm. But if I was someone that was afraid of spiders and you, like, put a tarantula on me, I would be like, you need to get this off me or else, like, PETA is going to have a problem with this movie. All right? <laughs> like, you need to get this off me or I will smash this with all of my monster strength. That's always so... There's such an extensive section in every credit section of these movies where they have, like, all the animal wranglers, all of the specialists that are on set. So it's, like, supervise these things. Yeah, but also their animal wranglers are kind of, like, circus sideshow animal (laughs) wranglers. You know what I'm saying? Where it's, like, they're missing teeth and wearing nothing but, like, shorts and flip-flops. Hey, Manny is in Wild Boys. With Pontius and Steve-O, and the three of them make a terrific trio. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Quite honestly, a lot of my favorite stunts were, were the much smaller ones. Nothing mm-hmm. really none of the really big ones like got me, but like in in two, uh Wee Man on the electric stool <laughs> really yeah. got me. Yeah, with the card it's, throwing. It's just the way he delivered. <laughs> You got some sort of card throwing machine. Show me where it is. Show me the card throwing machine. That killed me. I appreciate so much because I can picture that in recollections so easily. And the number one thing I remember is that everyone feels bad about pranking Wee Man. (laughs) No one wants to prank Wee Man. But, you know, your Wee Man gives as good as he gets. Yeah, he does. Like, He's such a trooper. It's it's a remarkably, like like I said, it's a very wholesome series, and it feels, like, weirdly progressive in that way. Yeah. That, like, if you're part of the crew, you're part of the crew. Like, the, um, I kind of wish in 4, the, uh, the girl they brought in, um, uh, something Wolfson. Yeah. I forget. Um, I wish she had, like, more, like, I don't know, like, stunts, because she no-celled licking that taser. Mm-hmm. Oh, she was great, and I loved hearing how Knoxville, like, went out of his way to bring her in. Like, he liked her that much, and she had, like, the right mm-hmm. grit that he wanted. And I don't yeah. know, it was, it's really cool. <laughs> this might, this anecdote might mean more now, but I did get to see Jackass Forever in Portland last year. And I mm-hmm. almost cried meeting Danger Aaron in person. <laughs> oh, he's a he's a sweet one. He's so <laughs> sweet. He was at the premiere. I looked at my partner. I'm like, if that's Danger Aaron, I'm going to cry. And I said hi to him after the movie. I was like, you were my favorite growing up. And he was like, that's really nice. Thank you so much. He has the best Jackass 4 stunt with the cup <laughs> test. <laughs> That's so, that is, so gnarly. Unnecessarily. Like, just, you know. He's this man the only, is sterile. He is the only one that's like, I'm okay with him being bullied a little in the stunts because he has very good reactions. <laughs> like, with, that's not a welterweight. When he takes that uppercut to the balls, you can see God in his eyes. <laughs> um, oh, God. I'm yeah. so glad no, you I, I would consider myself 
I would con- I would consider myself a jackass fan. I would I would look forward to the new one. Do you think uh, they will still do? You know, if it's a new one, do you think like four fully passes on the torch? Ooh, you know, I honestly by this point I think Knoxville's gonna go until he can no longer go. I think Knoxville's gonna yeah. be down for everything. And the same, I mean, like, with, with Tremaine at the helm, I feel like he's always going to be involved as long as Knoxville is. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with Spike. Like, Spike's just gonna be there forever. <laughs> Whether he's dressed yeah. as an old man or is an I, old man. I didn't know Spike Jones, director of Her and Where the Wild Things Are, was... <laughs> that was so funny to me. <laughs> he's so involved! <laughs> I had no idea. Because he has, like, that name, like, Spike Jones. I'm like, oh, he's, like, some indie darling director. That's yeah. what I always thought he was. I'm so happy. I'm so happy you found that. <laughs> and yeah. that it brought, you, um, anyway, it brought you some happiness. You you said you had something to say about anti-Semitism in K-pop? <laughs> so I just keep finding fun things to um, drop as breadcrumbs before we finally have the K-pop episode of this show. Which <laughs> okay, be... okay. You're, so th- laying, these are, you're these laying your grand web. Yeah, the, these, these are appetizers, really. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so sometimes things happen where um, you, y- you ever have that where you walk into the drama at the reaction stage where, where no one actually saw it happen. You just got there at the reaction to it. Like you have to do an exceeding amount of like backtracking to find out what anyone's actually talking about. So I open the I open TikTok maybe a week ago, five days ago, and I see mm. everyone losing their minds over an apology that member of girl group twice uh Che Young has has issued she's issued an apology and I'm like, no my baby, no, because okay. it is my luck to like this woman. Is this she's, one of those like she's not ones my favorite on the back of your phone? No, no, no. Okay, she she's she's a new favorite. She's no longer, and we will find out why. <laughs> okay, okay. But the apology, <laughs> um, I'm just going to read the translated version that was um on Instagram. Hello. This is Che Young from Twice. I sincerely apologize regarding the Instagram post. I did not correctly recognize the meaning of the tilted swastika in the shirt that I wore. I deeply apologize for not thoroughly reviewing it, causing concern. I will pay absolute attention in the future to prevent any situation similar from happening again. Sincerely apologize again. (laughs) So she wore a shirt with a swastika on it. Young is with Twice in New York. They are about to start their world tour, and they've uh-huh. just they've been they've been promoting, they've been working, they've been at the Billboard Awards accepting a, an award for breakout female artist, and she's photographed on Instagram wearing a Sex Pistols shirt with Sex Pistols member Sid Vicious wearing his swastika shirt. <laughs> Sid Vicious, famous for using Nazi iconography for very shallow yeah. shock factor in the 70s. But okay. people have found evidence of her wearing this shirt not once, but f- not not twice, not three times, but four times since she's been in the U.S. 
And so it's turned into a gigantic dialogue of, did you buy this shirt? Did a stylist buy this shirt and give it to you to okay. tour with? Why are so you guess... wearing this shirt? <laughs> Nothing, no, knowing nothing about the content of this person's <laughs> character, um, I guess my immediate thought is like the the you know, the old well of the swastika was an East Asian symbol of like peace before, <laughs> you know, being co-opted by that bad man with the mustache, and you know, is there is that a factor here, like? Being Korean, what? she didn't know. <laughs> She's a woman in her 20s. <laughs> uh-huh. And also, I just... Everyone who ever may be listening to this just needs to remember Korea's relationship with Japan. Ah, uh, yes. And Japan and the entire world, and especially Korea, just all these countries involved in World War II, everyone knows... Everyone knows okay. what a swastika is. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. And that that is to a degree. Like, there are, like, we've seen plenty of reports that, like, oh, World War II is taught from different perspectives in different countries with different emphasis put on different events. But, like, at the same time, I don't think this wouldn't have been so bad if Young didn't appear on a music show styled in a QAnon shirt last week, too. Ah, Okay, so it's just, like, a repeated series of fashion faux pauses. Yes. Yes. And just, if it wasn't, like, so QAnon shirt, multiple uses of shirt with swastika on it, and then really terrible, terrible apology. (laughs) Where it was like, oops. It was like a two-sentence oops. (laughs) On the scale of, like, anti-Semitism faux pas, is this, like... Like, is she, she's bouncing back from this, I take it, because it is ultimately a shirt and a bad apology? Or, like, is there an att- Like, I'm coming at this from, like, the gamer sphere. Yeah, yeah. Is this on the tier you feel of, like, someone saying the gamer word in a heated gamer moment? This is... The- and it's just gonna... It's gonna be just kind of brushed aside. Or is this more culmative? This is very weird. We're at a very weird crossroads because you can see a clearly orchestrated path that their management was taking to make them more palatable to the U.S. audience, especially, specifically, Young as the rap, like the rapper of the group. She's the only member oh, with okay. visible, like she's the only member with visible tattoos who's allowed to show ah. her tattoos. Oh, she's street, is she? Basically. They've basically made her, like, they let her rap in a more naturally lower, deeper tone in the latest, like, English single. It's okay. it, It's been very clearly orchestrated to, like, make her more marketable to the U.S. And the group overall, like, as soon as they came in, they've been doing TikToks with everybody, including the official TikTok for, like, the Empire State Building. <laughs> okay but and so this is also saying like they've sold out multiple arenas for the tour days after this apology came out okay so So it doesn't seem like to have impacted ticket sales it's not gonna impact almost anything it's to a degree where people are like oh no this is the evil side of capitalism where we've just used controversy to drum up Uh attention 
How big is the swastika on the shirt? Mm, it's not very. It's like a couple inches big. Like, in the first photo on Instagram, no one noticed it because she's wearing a sweater and it covers the shirt most of the way. Uh-huh. And then later on, she's walking around and she has the shirt just, like, fully exposed. Like, you can see all of it. And everyone was like, wait, what the hell? What is that? Hmm. And it's okay, it's see, tough. It, it's it's a tough thing because you can chalk it up to a lot. The QAnon thing was very weird because they chopped off like there's a very clear Q on the shirt, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it says like we go we go all we like we go all or something on it, and like it's very clearly a QAnon shirt with like yeah stars and stripes on it and everything, and you can tell because like the general vibe of that stage was like bad motorcycle gang vibes so it mm-hmm. kind of fit a little bit i th- that still would have gotten someone fired here <laughs> yeah and so yeah we're just in a really weird place now where you're seeing like the poles of both both ends of the fan spectrum going all in on this one where it's like oh i'm burning my Young photo cards she's no longer my favorite i'm not standing twice anymore and then you see people, like, trying to scrub the searches on Twitter by, like, flooding mm-hmm. the searches with, like, Young cute, Young adorable. Uh-huh. And so you're running I the see. full gamut <laughs> where people are like, what if I just decide that she's not my favorite member anymore, but I still like them? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the whole thing. And we're going to get into that in the K-pop episode. <laughs> In the cape. Okay, well, uh, you've laid your breadcrumbs. Uh, <laughs> as for me, I am feeling mightily decompressed. I am also feeling quite decompressed. So now we are going to move on to the show and tell. Show and tell time. Where both of us have ventured into the wilds of the internet and brought back an artifact to share with you, the listener, and with ourselves. We don't know what the other one has. Right. Um... Who who wants to go first? I've just got a little uh, very funny Reddit uh, post. I I'm uh, send it to me. I, I'm ready to see. Oh no! I want to read it to you. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Um. So this is uh. So this is kind of a repost. One of my favorite subreddits is r slash that happened. Oh god! Where people. Uh, repost like f- fake true stories of the internet. It's like in the early days of subreddits where you'd find stuff like Opa Homeless style and stuff like that. Right. Like people like... just making up stories for like clout. Yeah. Um, and so this most likely is a cross is a is a repost from um, r slash relationships. Oh no. 20 female 23 male my girlfriend's mom whacked me across the face with her boobs. <laughs> so I was over at my girlfriend's house, and her mom was there too. My girlfriend was cooking dinner. She had a private phone call, so she went to her car to make that phone call. I was in the kitchen washing my hands, and I turned around, and her mom ripped her shirt, and she only had her bra on. Then she ripped the bra. She grabbed one of her boobs and hit me in the face. My head hit the back of the counter and I fell on the floor. She took both her boobs and started repeatedly hitting me on the head with them. I tried to crawl away, but she kept hitting me. 
I eventually got on my feet using the counter, but I ended up knocking over the rice my girlfriend was cooking. I also threw a cooking book at her, but she blocked it. I made a run for it downstairs. She went after me and was trying to hit me again and ended up knocking over decor and breaking glass and stuff. TLDR, my girlfriend's phone call was over. She came in the house and saw the pot knocked over and the mess left behind. She said, was, is there this mess? She comes downstairs confused and sees what's happening, then yells, what are you doing? So I love this story. They give it. It's it's a it's a moving dynamic tale. The the and density of the implied narrative. It's there's so much happening. It's such a it's such a vivid <laughs> vivid example of storytelling. I just I I want to imagine that this is the point that we've gotten frustrated with the subreddit for relationships. <laughs> Cuz that just... place is just like my doom scrolling home sometimes. <laughs> Is is this a sexual story? Is my great question. Is he? Is it like the mom was coming on to him, so she was hitting him with her boobs? I don't. I I I don't know. That's that's the thing. It's so concerning that it's like what? What? Is, she hit him so hard across the face, so she has to be taller than him. Yeah. Number one. Or they're big that enough. he fell back and hit his head on the counter. And then she, like, pinned him down and was giving him, like, the titty beat down. <laughs> and he was trying to crawl away. I don't know. This is one of those cases where it's like, I don't know what barriers stand in the way of comprehension between me and the author. I do not know what is expected <laughs> of me in this moment. I do well, not know what is intended to be my reaction. Number one. Number one, he doesn't know what a TLDR means. <laughs> right? That's a huge one. There's just a lot. Go- like, she had a private phone call, so she went to the car. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to be another one of those weird infidelity stories. No. No. no it's just assault. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. That was the punchline. I got assaulted. <laughs> and I ruined my girlfriend's now- dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, do you believe this happened? Do you believe this is real? So, No. I flat out don't. Yeah, there's plenty but I of reasons. Also don't know, I don't know what the author gains by lying about this. I don't know. Again, this is one of those things where it's like, is this someone making, like, fabricating a post on purpose to satirize the relationship subreddit? Is this mm. someone who wants to be a sitcom funny man with a silly life? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's hard. I can't. I can't shake the feeling tell. that there's some weird, like, sexual domination thing going on on the undercurrent here. There's like, this also guy that. Has, like a fetish for this. <laughs> there's also that where it feels very much like that, where once again I've been subjected <laughs> to someone's fetish without my consent. Um. So that's what I have. What do you have? Hold on. I'm trying to wipe the repeating GIF <laughs> from High School of the Dead out. <laughs> oh, my brain. The the titty sniper? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, that's not how those work. It's not how those work. What I have, if it's going to work, we are going to take a trip to the store. And we're going okay. to see how many of the things we understand that the Tumblr Mart 
store. Oh, you're having me log in on desktop. Uh, one. Oh moment. no. Uh, I I don't use Tumblr on desktop. Uh, <laughs> hold on, I have to pull up the mobile link. Just no no no. Just do it on your phone. There's a Mart app on. There's a Mart link on the phone. I know. That's what I'm doing. Oh I'm, yeah. Yeah. Wait. So this is. So this is just the Mart where I finally got very curious one day as to what's even in here. Wait. What is this? Tumblr has like dashboard customizations. Yeah, so of course you have your important rainbow check marks that came out after the Twitter check marks. What the fuck is what, Wait, hold on. I didn't know. So you can Tumblr buy had... How many can you buy? I think you can get <laughs> now available in rainbow. Wait. Why do they have vanilla extract? Okay, okay, okay. Oh, because of the okay, the pole, yes. yes. I'm starting the poll with the cake baking and the the inordinate amounts of vanilla extract. So yes, there's so many things where Tumblr is doing a bit of a smart thing where all of their merch, like half of it, is directly in jokes. Yes, like there's a lot of Ides of March stuff in here because we're really into the Ides of March for some reason now. I don't remember I think, where that comes from. I think that's what definitely sets Tumblr apart from any other social media right now is the density of the lore and the in-jokes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw it summed up best in that someone, like, what was it? It was like, oh, you should uh, migrate to, like, other social medias. And someone, like, tried to articulate, like, you know, this place doesn't, places don't have, like, a feeling of community and anonymity that Tumblr does, but then they did a graphic of that going through their brain and it coming out their mouth as, y'all don't even have sweet fat of the hawk Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) They, oh gosh. Speaking of things that Tumblr, that people will have, that Tumblr does have, or any other iteration of that, I have found out, amazingly, that Tumblr no longer allows you to make anonymous asks without logging in. Oh. That's handy. That is handy, actually. It really helps for uh, reporting and banning. So, crabs everywhere. There's I'm so not many... sure I'm familiar with this one. I also don't... I feel like this is... Re- like I feel like it's related to an April Fool's overlay from one year, where there was, like, crabs everywhere. Or it could just be our general um, adoration of crabs. Like, TikTok has frogs, and Tumblr has frogs, and also crabs. Do you love the color of the sky spiral notebook? Color theory spiral bound notebook. Oh I got yeah, like that one. The color ba- like the color theory and the color of the sky merch is especially funny to me. Take me to your blorbo. I get that. I understand that. The bug race sticker pack. Very okay. good. Horse plinko. Important blue checkmark earrings. Tumblr field trip hat displayed on a bust of handsome Squidward. Oh, of course. <laughs> and also, why don't they sell? shoelaces they do oh okay they have pink shoelaces they have tumblr blue shoelaces the the copy for that is for you mr president oh okay i've gotten down far enough wow they do have a lot of shoelaces um i grew up on tumblr patch tumblr it's a thing patch (laughs) there's so many things here that i do completely understand and yet other things that i really do not understand yeah, I didn't know. How do you feel about a website leaning into like their in jokes like this? Is it kind of like a weird capitalism thing? So of like 
You can't you can't <laughs> merchandise a meme. I'm kind of charmed by it though. It's like who who else would make earnest semi-successful merch for their own yeah. hell site like Tumblr? Yeah. Where a legacy post like Colors of the Sky, like that one just blows me away that they had the wherewithal to actually merchandise that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But also, yeah, like little customization things, which no one pays for. I don't know anyone that uses Blaze for non-meme reasons. Yeah. The last time I saw Blaze was someone used it to boost a post they stole, and all the comments were like, you really used Blaze to like boost a stolen joke? And it was just everyone ripping yeah. on them in, in the reblogs? Yeah. It's this weird thing where Tumblr's always kind of known that they are the weird kid without being a theater kid about being the weird kid, if that makes sense. But now they're like, um, you know, it's not quite like Dashcon days of there needs to be a Tumblr convention, you know. Oh, God, no. We are not having Tumblr Island. We are not going to Tumblr school. We are not doing Tumblr Con. <laughs> it's not. If someone like makes like, oh, there should be a Tumblr Island, it's like, for the purposes of shitting on Tumblr. Exactly. You know? Like, we've reached this point now where there's enough people who grew up on the site to kind of keep... Like, the Panopticon is very much so thriving right now, where you kind of just yeah. learn by watching other people how you're supposed to use the website and how you're supposed to reference the website. Yeah, yeah. And it's very weird growing up in that culture and, like, seeing it evolve. I mean, just seeing it, like, you know... Twitter's imploding every other day. Yeah. The only thing now is that I have to keep just like, how many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? I just keep turning off Tumblr Live every time I log in. Mm. And I just reset yeah. the Tumblr Live setting. Yeah. Okay. Well. I've had enough of this silliness. Yeah, that's that's our show and tell. Everyone go put an apple on teacher's desk. Yay! Um, and we, we do not have a wild card this week just for the, uh, just, just for... The density of our, our decompress and such in our main topic. I know you are all going to miss it. Obviously. We're going to... We try to keep this light and airy for you listeners. But I believe that means that it's time for the main topic. Get on with it. So, Murph, wh- when did you find out about the society? Uh, quite genuinely, uh, this year. Really? Um, yeah, the first time I messaged you about it, like, say, like, hey, did you know about this? Mm-hmm. I think we could do an episode on it. It was because I had just, like, watched, like, a YouTube video on it. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so our main topic is something of a, uh, it's a... Disney Parks exclusive story, I guess is the best way to phrase it. Yeah. Um, For those that never have been to, like, Disney Parks, it can sometimes be hard to understand that there is a lot of, like, exclusive Disney things there. I I don't know how best to phrase it. Like, exclusive characters, exclusive, like, stage shows they do. Like, I often think about, like, how many, like, exclusive, like, just park-exclusive stage shows must there be? Right, right. And it's like, do you consider Tiki Room to be a stage show, you know? I, I kind of do. Yeah. Like, 
and I'm not just talking about like you know you can go see a la- like Broadway Aladdin yeah. in Disneyland yeah but I'm also thinking about like in Epcot in the American Pavilion they do a show that's like the signing of the Declaration of Independence yeah with actors as all the founding fathers and it's like you know what the, that's that's those guys' jobs yeah <laughs> you know that that's their uh, job to be that cast member and it's like you know that that has a wiki entry but they it's like um and so. What we're going to be talking about is kind of the most successful park exclusive thing. Right. Outside of, there's this thing called the Kingdom Keepers, Mm -hmm. which I don't know too much about. It's like a a YA series of books that is only sold in Disney parks. Yeah. Um, And I do. And that's like. I do have the first Kingdom Keep. uh, No. That's Keys to the Kingdom. I always get them conflated. Hmm. No, Kingdom Keepers. Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. No. (laughs) Um, but so we're going to be talking about the Disney SEA and I kind of have to call it the Disney SEA rather than Disney Sea because Disney Sea is a park. Yes. Um, uh, and so we're going to be kind of tackling this in half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll take the first half. We will take the back half. Right. Um, and I'm just going to go over sort of the genesis of what this is. Um, some of like precursor attractions. Right. And how, how we got to what it is. Um, uh, and I guess, I guess we should say, like, as a thesis, what Disney SEA is, is a sort of, like, secret society. It is Disney's canon Illuminati <laughs> of explorers and adventurers, and it ties together pretty much every, would you say almost every non, like, property-based attraction in the parks, like anything that's not based on an existing movie or franchise, it's has some sort of tie to the Disney SEA. It has definitely gotten to that point where we're also starting to see, and we'll go over this through various renovations and revamps. Like it's, they're very clearly becoming more and more intertwined into. Yeah, this, this is definitely definitely something of the last decade. Yeah, um, has been growing in popularity. Um, in prominence in the parks. Right. So uh, I'm going to start us off talking about one of my favorite attractions, the Jungle Cruise. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of what I have marked as like the, the genesis of the SEA, both in terms of like what it is and like the sort of like quote unquote writing style. Mm-hmm. And for those that don't know, the Jungle Cruise, this was like an opening day attraction. It was inspired by the movie The African Queen with Humphrey Bogart, Mm -hmm. which is about two people on a boat going through African rivers. Um, What most people know the Jungle Cruise for is being like a bonanza of puns and jokes. Uh, Very famously, there's the, uh, you know, stuff like the Schweitzer Falls, where you'll pass a waterfall and you're, you're... Jungle Cruise captain will say, that's the Schweitzer Falls. They're named after the renowned professor, Dr. Albert T. Falls. Yep. And then you'll go behind the waterfall, and then you'll say, like, oh, and now the eighth wonder of the world, the backside of water. Yay! If you've seen the Jungle Cruise movie, they've done, the, they do these bits. They do, but, okay. You know, it's, it's very comedic. Okay. Uh, the Jungle Cruise. It, it wasn't at the start. Initially, Walt, because uh, this was an opening day attraction, Walt wanted a very dry documentarian feeling. Yeah. They had animatronic animals, and the uh, the Jungle Cruise captain was supposed to, like, give animal facts mm-hmm. as a script. 
But that kind of proved very unpopular. And so in the 60s, Walt brought in animator Mark Davis to punch up many of the attractions. Mm -hmm. And one of his insights to the Jungle Cruise at the time was like, it doesn't have any characters. It doesn't have any like visual or verbal comedy. And so he added in some new animatronics, like a, a elephant like bathing in the water and uh, some explorers, some like safari hunters being chased up a tree by hyenas mm-hmm. and stuff like that and made it more comedic. And then they gave kind of the captains a uh, carte blanche to come up with some like jokes to go along with that. And now to this day, there's like an entire like book of jokes that Jungle Cruise captains are given. Right. To, like, hey, when you come across, like, the scene with the headhunters, here's some things you can throw out. And stuff like that. So, that what I would consider as kind of the genesis. And also remember the name Dr. Albert T. Falls. Um, now we're going to move forward to 1989 with the Walt Disney World Pleasure Island. Uh, Pleasure Island was a section of downtown Disney. Uh, downtown Disney is kind of... You don't need to pay to get into downtown Disney, right? No. It's outside the park. Yeah. It, you might need to pay yeah, to it's park, outside the, but that's it. Mm, it's outside the parks. It's a, a commercial uh, hub where you can go in all sorts of like stores, restaurants, and that sort of thing. And Pleasure Island was a little like man-made island out in the water. Right. Um, strictly for adults. It had bars. It had like sort of more like... Uh, like rock shows and stuff that just like wasn't really for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad really liked it, and he really liked what I'm about to talk about, which is the Adventurers Club. Mm-hmm. And the advent. Uh, oh, oh, the whole premise for Pleasure Island. Number one, its name is taken from Pinocchio. That's the island where all the boys go and get turned into donkeys. Ugh. Um, but also the theme is that it was a it was always New Year's Eve. Um, on Pleasure Island. Right. Uh, though the year itself is kind of ambiguous. I, I understand it like kind of changed with the seasons, depending mm-hmm. on the theming they wanted to do. But uh, the Adventurers Club uh, was a sort of like a show, a dinner with a show. You would go in and get like dinner and drinks, and you'd be like greeted by the wait staff. They'd shout like the, uh, the catchphrase, the secret sign, uh, of the Adventurers Club, which is Kungaloosh. Yes. And uh, the bar would also be stocked with actors playing stock characters, kind of doing improv of various scenes. They'd interact with the guests, and then they'd do a storyline that would advance throughout the night until the culmination of New Year's uh, Eve at midnight. And it was a place of comedy, um, but also had like a lot of nifty props, like some swords on the wall. My dad said like the uh, the bar stools were like done as like barbershops uh, chairs where they could manually be like adjusted up and down. And they would sometimes <laughs> use that in the act of like one person would be st- one of the actors would be at one end of the bar and another at the other. And they would be talking to each other but couldn't see each other. So they lower all the guests chairs at once <laughs> so the two actors could see each other. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And uh, like <clears throat> the whole premise of the Adventurers Club, it was, it was kind of like a 
you know, turn of the century place for explorers and adventurers to like collect all their things. And uh, on the walls were like letters and maps, correspondence between different members. A lot of the uh, characters in the shows were members of the club. Um, and it's said that the club itself was even founded by the founder of Pleasure Island, Mr. Merriweather Pleasure. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, it was very popular, but it just didn't... When Disney was kind of reinventing themselves in the late 2000s, it didn't really match the new, like, return-to-form, family-friendly that they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Pleasure Island closed in 2008. Um, and also, it just wasn't making bank... Because part of the problem was is that it was, you know, it was open to the public. So say you are traveling from Idaho to go to Disney World. Right. And you want to go to this Adventurers Club you've heard so much about. But unfortunately, it's being like all like the seats are taken up by locals. Yeah. And so you don't get your like Disneyland experience. And that's kind of like, you know a hard thing for a, a resort like Disney World to manage. Yeah. Um, but it just wasn't a lot of, there were a lot of reviews saying like this, I didn't get an opportunity to sit in. And my, my vacation was ruined and my disappointment is immeasurable. <laughs> um, so Pledge Island closed in 2008 and the Adventurers Club was shut down. They had one last Kungaloosh celebration um, with bringing in like a lot of the returning actors including those that, like, founded the roles. Mm-hmm. Um, but all, everything was shut down, and a lot of the props from the, uh, explore, the, from the Adventurers Club was re- were redistributed to other attractions. Most notably, the Jungle Cruise um, had luggage added to its weight queue, which had um, little ID tags notifying them as belonging to different members of the Adventurers Club. And many were sent to the newly opened Tokyo uh, Disney, Tokyo Disney, which is where we get into Tokyo Disney Sea, not Disney SEA, Disney Sea, which is an aquatic-themed uh, park as part of Tokyo Disneyland. And in Tokyo Disney Sea, they had an attraction called Fortress Explorations which opened in 2001 with the park. And this is sort of like, uh, it's kind of like the Tom Sawyer Island. It's a walkthrough attraction with like some things you can play, but it's mostly like to be looked at. Um, And it's this big pirate ship with like three restaurants on the outside. It's it's a big fortress, you know, but it is said to, uh, as you walk in, you see a plaque saying this belongs to the, Society of Explorers and Adventurers, the SCA. And this is sort of our, the first, like, introduction to the SCA as a concept. You would uh, walk inside and see various things collected by the SCA, very much like the Explorers Club on Pleasure Island. But this actually had, like, uh, you would see photographs of members and uh, such but it, it didn't have anything really more than that. It just sort of had a branding. Um, in 2008, 
They began adding a scavenger hunt and puzzles that you could solve around the uh, fortress. Like you would go in and be given a map of puzzles and riddles to solve. And then you could present this and be given access to a secret room which controlled the, uh, the lava flow that heated the park or something like that. But it was all themed after Da Vinci. It said, mm-hmm. like, this was an invention of Da Vinci's. Um, but then following the, ex- the closure of the, advent- of the Explorers Club in, uh, on Pleasure Island, a lot of those props were brought into Fortress Exploration. And now the lore and storyline of both attractions were kind of merged. Now the scavenger hunt ended with members being given an induction into the SCA. And with this thread sort of established of Jungle Cruise and Pleasure Island and Fortress Explorations, uh, some Imagineers started to build an even greater web of connections. And that's where you come in, through. Oh, boy. Because this is also where it starts getting off the rails. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> everything's kind of quiet from 2001. Until, yeah, I want to say um, 2006, where Tokyo Disney Sea opens their own Tower of Terror. But, yeah, seeing as Japan isn't like as ubiquitous as the Twilight Zone is in the United States to our pop culture, to our history it, with pop culture, it's not that that's lost on, on Japanese media. <laughs> I constantly forget Tower of Terror is a Twilight Zone. Like, that's its IP. The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. That's the full name. (laughs) The Hollywood Tower Hotel. So the Tower of Terror still resides, like, in the America Pavilion in Tokyo Disney Sea, And it's... It begins pretty, pretty innocuously there is a man where we renamed the the hotel the high tower hotel named by what is it harrison high tower the third yes harrison yep. high tower harrison high tower the third yes and right you know keep, he, keep he's that a mean man convention. he's a mean bad man mm-hmm. and the whole story that they've made it there is that the turn of the century harrison high tower the third is having a meeting of explorers like it's kind of vaguely mentioned to be like an like an adventurers club when the ride first Mm. opens it's only mentioned as like the adventurers club and there's like some photos in the ride but that's the whole thing is that he's having a party where he's commemorating some of his great achievements and explorations and he's showing off this papua new guinean (laughs) thing that he has gotten it is an idol it is called the Shriki Untundu, and it is like a trickster god lives inside it, and he's been advised not to steal this thing, and he's like, I'm going to anyway. <laughs> it's the god of elevators. Pretty much, which <laughs> is going to be where Harrison Hightower III gets to live out the rest of his days tied to the mortal plane, because that's what's going to happen. The Tower of Terror is going to do its thing, and he's going to plummet, and he's going to just haunt the hotel for the rest of his life. Yes. But this works because it also should be said that we're going to see a through line here where in culture, like in these cultures that we are moving the parks into, ghosts are not a happy fun thing like in like 
haunted yeah. mansion in Disneyland. Like in- ghosts, like you don't mess with spirits. Like that's a that's a bad thing to do. They're either your family and should be revered, or you've done something to anger spirits and you are a bad person. <laughs> yeah, in Asia especially, a lot of like ghosts and stuff are kind of seen as almost like like Lovecraftian, like eldritch, like unknowable yeah. beings. Yeah, or Gosh, a good resource that I used for a lot of the research here was, like, Offhand Disneyland, which made a great joke saying this would be, like, if Disney suddenly came out with a ride in the States called, like, Noah's Ark, the ride. It was, like, it's taking something that's very, like, sacred for some people and just making a novelty out of it in an otherwise non-sacred space. (laughs) And it would just look really out of place to do that. So here you have... Instead of a very, like, ooh, spooky, ooh, fun, haunted Hollywood Tower Hotel, you have the Hightower Hotel, which is haunted by a man who got what he had coming to him. Yeah, it's like curse. There's a lot of curses going around. Right. And so that's loosely tied. So you have, like, the Adventurers Club, which sort of looks like it's supposed to be the same thing. But in 2013, Hong Kong Disneyland opens up the Mystic Manor, which is their counterpart to... The Haunted Mansion. So again, we don't have yeah. we don't have friendly ghosts. We instead have an enchanted mansion, which has taken over yeah. Mystic Point, ran by Lord Henry Mystic, who has built this mansion and has his whole collection inside and lives in it with his pet monkey Albert. <laughs> and yes. so Albert is a naughty monkey, and he messes with a Balinese music box that turns everything in the house into um it reanimates all of the previously inanimate objects and that's the ride of mystic manor it looks insane i love it in concept so much that's when i became aware of the society it was back when mystic manor yeah. came out because at this point i believe in like fortress explorations with the tower of terror revamp they mm-hmm. put in like portraits of the members and there's Harrison Hightower, there's Henry Mystic, there's Dr. Albert T. Falls. Yes. uh, There's um, Meriwether Pleasure. And it's like, okay, okay. I'm seeing like the, the naming convention here. Like who, who else do we got? Right. Um, So like, this is really where it becomes a substantial thing. So from 20 like 2001 to 2013, like that's how long it takes to like really put a footprint down on this is what SEA is. Mm-hmm. And so so far you have two like in two dedicated attractions because they go and they retrofit Harrison Hightower mm-hmm. into being a member of C. It's not just that he's a member of C, he's a disgraced member who was an evil man and so they like tried to distance themselves from him. The guy literally ran yeah, it, an affiliate group called the Pillagers Brigade. <laughs> <laughs> it should be noted that um yes, dear listener, this um this do- this whole like concept does make light of the legacy of colonialism and entering other countries and ransacking their artifacts. However, <laughs> I guess like with the Disney SEA, what their mission statement is not really to collect, it is to chronicle human achievement around mm-hmm. the world, especially that which has been obscured or lost. So members like 
Henry Hightower, the disgraced members use evil archaeology. Yeah. Of murdering the natives and stealing artifacts. Right. Whereas, like, the more idea is that you're supposed to be just, like, you're supposed to be drawing diagrams and stuff. And, right. And making contact with the indigenous peoples. But, yes, this is, is, like, a whole, like, you know, it's an explorer's fantasy. And the whole explorer's fantasy is inexorably tied to the legacy of colonialism yes so that, <laughs> just wanted to get that out of the way it, it is the nature of the beast and like you do have explorers like mary oceaneer who is tied to the disney cruise lines and also mm-hmm. has her own attraction at typhoon lagoon like mary oceaneer is like her collection and henry mystic's collections like you can kind of discern that like maybe they were like bartered for or obtained in more savorable ways yeah Whereas you uh, Mary have... Oceaneer is like explicitly like a pirate. She like steals other pirates' treasures. Yes, right? like that's like the whole thing is that she's in, she's going and searching the seas for lost treasure. Mm-hmm. And so like her treasure is kind of like she has found it, she has it, and then also she's just kind of living out the rest of her day shipwrecked in Typhoon Lagoon. So she's kind of just chilling anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But then you have like other evil members of the society like we have gone and retrofitted big thunder mountain at at multiple disney parks big thunder mountain into being sea affiliated through the newly instated through retrofitting (laughs) to create lore i think we should i think we should explain this the the whole commitment to the shtick that disney has in making their entire their entire brand a production is that rides do not exist just to exist in Disneyland. Every ride was built. Like this isn't just Disney's like, this isn't just like Goofy's flying school. Like it's literally Goofy. Like you're going to end up being privy to part of a story where Goofy wanted to teach kids how to fly. Like that's going. Yeah. The storyline is very important to Disney rides. So something like big thunder is the whole idea is that it's a ghost town and you're boarding this old like mine train. Yes. They're going through this cursed gold mine. Right. And that's like kind of as far as the story really was. Mm -hmm. And then they decided to give it a Disney SEA retrofit. Yeah. And that's Barnabas T. Bullion. Which is a great name. I think Uh, that might be my favorite name. It's the best name, honestly. And he is like the Baron, the the Tycoon, the Manifest Destiny Man of the West. He's like, gold is my birthright. It's literally my name. I will not stop Mm -hmm. at anything. And now it's even widely understood that Big Thunder Mesa is actually in belonging to the Shoshone people. That live there and that they've advised him, like, don't, don't mind the mountain. A spirit lives there and the mountain is sacred to us. And he's like... Don't carve your presidents on that. (laughs) (laughs) This is kind of a through line that you can see with Disney Sea, which is kind of like, we're going to confront some of the more problematic notions of these rides and attractions and Mm -hmm. make stories that kind of interact with those elements. Say the villain did it. Yeah, and then we were going to say that, oh, this is actually a bad guy doing it, and there's actually good guys in the greater in the greater lore. So, yeah, Barnabas T. Bullion decides to um, do the thing that people tell him not to do, and he mines into the Sacred Mountain, and that causes natural disasters to befall Big Thunder Mesa. 
in every one of the parks. So some of the parks, like Florida, that means that Big Thunder Mesa floods. Other parks, like in Disneyland, that means that there's a giant earthquake. And mm -hmm. that causes all of the crazy happenings in Big Thunder to happen. And so, like, you can see now that there's, like, oh, there's correspondence that's, like, littered throughout the queue for the ride. There's letters and there's crates that have, like, the C insignia on them. There's Jason Chandler. And Jason Chandler is a character who's a huge presence. He was supposed to be part of Discovery Bay back when there was going to be a park created in the Midwest. There was supposed to be, for the longest time, Disney wanted to make a... Like just like a, an America land. Yes, that's right. It was which supposed would to be have America like shaped. rides. Yeah, it was going to be themed on like it would have rides based on like the Civil War and the Revolutionary War and like yeah. the, the 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 pioneers going west and stuff. Like very like hurrah America, and that was going to be a whole park. Yeah. Um. It it's... never really manifested. No, it didn't. But Jason Chandler was supposed to be the in lore proprietor of that entire park that he was a yes. inventor and also good friends now with Barnatus B. Bullion because they've decided to go and reference Chandler in multiple pieces of lore and also just name him as a C president yeah. serving at one point where he inducted recently added character Camellia Falco who is mm -hmm. the uh, who's the character for Soren? Fantastic Flight, and I believe is that Shanghai Disney. Uh, mm, yes, I think it is Soren Fantastic. Oh no, I think it's back in Disney Sea. It is Disney Sea. That's right. We're back where we started. Soren Fantastic yeah. Flight. Yeah. So I mean, that's we're still in love with Da Vinci in Porto Parad Paradiso. <laughs> yeah. So one thing to like. This is very, the society is very of, like, any era and any, like, location. Mm -hmm. um, Fortress Exploration says the fa society was founded in, like, 1543. Yeah, and that but, it has members like Leonardo da Vinci and Magellan. <laughs> yeah. Um, but sort of the, the more, like, no-named prominent members are more of, like, you would say, like, or turn of the century, mm -hmm. like Barnabas P. T. Bully and Mary Oceaneer, Henry Mystic, they're still of like a, a late 1800s, early 1900s aesthetic. Right. And then, so we, we have, like, we've been trucking along. We've been making regular additions to existing Disney IP. This year, we're supposed to be reopening the Treehouse in Adventureland to be the adventure, the, the it's probably going to be sea-themed. We've seen a preview that has a yeah. big old sea flag in one of the rooms. Mm -hmm. and so, it's been very well received by people that know about it. Yes, and it looks really fun. I When I was a kid, it was still the... Um, I got to see the transformation from the Swiss Family Treehouse to the Tarzan Treehouse. I, I remember the Swiss Family Treehouse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Th those are good claustrophobic attractions. <laughs> yeah. Very difficult to walk around in. Not very accessible. I actually do not know if the if the retheming is going to uh, contend with that at all. Yeah, and then there's sort of like, um, like once you become like I I liken this. Not I'm not going to use this term how it's usually used. Okay. I call this the Dark Souls of Disney parks. 
in that the lore you have to do a lot of like spider webbing and recognizing names across attractions that are countries apart yeah to form the cohesive narrative it's yeah. a lot of like you know an attraction will have a letter or a map on in the queue yeah. you know the place you're supposed to just like stand and kill time yeah and you're supposed to like recognize the name on the correspondence yes um <clears throat> and so to that um, I, I want to talk about Jock's hanger bar. <gasps> yes! <clears throat> Jock Lindsay is my favorite part of Disney SEA, honestly and unironically. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, let's not, let's not spoil the, the reveal for Jock Lindsay, but I, I want to, so Disney Springs, yes. um, is sort of, it's kind of downtown Disney, but has more of like a boardwalkish, yeah, like like portside Miami feel. I would say so. Um, yeah, it's again shopping, dining, and like entertainment, dinner shows, that sort of thing. Um, but on the water, you can find a bar called Jock's Hangar Bar for this retired pilot, Jock Lindsay. Um, where he has collected various things he has found, like from his days as a pilot in. World War Two, flying various adventurers all around the world, um, and he has like maps and letters, and it's just like a treasure trove for SCA Easter eggs because you can find that he is a confirmed member of the SCA, um, and as well as like other like very obscure movie references. Um, but who Jock Lindsay is, because he doesn't have that naming convention mm -hmm. of his last name being what he is. Yeah. Um, Jock Lindsay is a character from Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> he is the he is Indy's pilot from the start of the movie. The guy sitting back in the the just, um, he's just he's fishing. The, he's fishing on his he's fishing, and he has the plane. snake. Yeah, in the seaplane, and he has the snake in Indy's seat. Yeah, <laughs> Indy, that, that's all we have for, like, that's where you might have recognized the name, is Indy sprinting to the boat, uh, to the seaplane, going, Jock! Jock, start the plane! <laughs> that is, yeah, that is the extent, like, he's not in the rest of the movie, He's right? not in the he rest never... of the movie, he's not in the rest of the so... series. You know where he's, a, you know where he is at? Disney Sea. That's what he's doing. Yeah. He's an SEA member. That's, so they decided to make him a member of SEA. And um, Indy is also a member. Is he? I'm... I was trying to double check that, whether or not he's, like, a confirmed member. I keep hearing enough uh, that he is. The reason that I want to say that he is is because there is... A Hong Kong Disney Halloween overlay for the Jungle Cruise mm -hmm. that includes yes. a disgraced member of the um, Jungle Cruise crew who wants to be a member of C, and mm -hmm. he's actively facing off against Indy for artifacts and stuff, steals okay. one, and then you know, befalls a horrible fate because the Hong Kong Halloween overlays go hard. Yeah, again, like like I said at the start, there was a lot of, like, exclusive content to the Disney parks. Yeah. Particularly because, like, you know, they don't... Not all the parks share the things they do. Yeah. So that, that what you just said, that whole Halloween overlay, that's only done in Hong Kong Disney's Jungle Cruise. Yeah. For Halloween. Yeah, and that was um, one year. They only did that once. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's crazy. And so, and so in Jock's hangar bar, you can find correspondence between him and various members of the SEA that we already know about, such as Dr. Albert T. Falls. Um, you can also find a map um, which is signed by Captain Brew. Yeah. Who is br- a br- member who is a character from the movie The Island at the Top of the World, which is a deep, deep cut. That's 1974, Disney trying to recapture the magic of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Crazy. That is, that is, like, the most obscure character I think you can reference for this. And he is also a confirmed member of Disney SEA. <laughs> um, you can find... A poster from Jock's Air Circus days, where he was a member of the Air Circus Pirates, uh, along with his very good friend, Cliff Seckard. Do you know who Cliff Seckard is? I don't... I'm looking through my notes. I don't have that name. <laughs> Cliff Seckard is the Rocketeer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Which says a lot about how much we remember the Rocketeer. Yeah. Um, there's like uh, you can find napkins that have been drawn on for a sort of uh, a design of a metal man signed by an H Stark. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, maps to Atlantis from Atlantis: The Lost Empire, which Mary Oceaneer is also tied to. Yeah, um, it is very, and it's like kind of one of those things where I'm not going to like say like, oh, my, the the Rocketeer in Atlantis take place in the same universe. No. But it's also one of those things where it's like, I mean, they fucking could be they, they based could. on like aesthetic. If we, you know, these all have the same aesthetic of like vaguely steampunk, diesel punk. Oh, yeah. Turn of the century exploration feel. And. If we want to get into the, like, actual insanity of do these things actually connect, like, Mary Oceaneer's entire role in the Disney Cruise Lines is that her library is, like, a hub for the kids' play area. Like, the Oceaneer Lab. the Oceaneer's Lab. Yeah. And, again, because her name is Oceaneer. Oceaneer, yeah. And she has, like, it's supposed to be her personal library, but it has these giant books that you can, like, walk into for, like, different themed, like, lands in the kids' yeah. area. And it includes, like, these different movies. Like, that's the whole thing. So, yeah, no, the idea that these, like, are connected, it's just kind of working into that magical aspect of it. Like, you just gotta, you just gotta roll with it. Yeah. And this is, like, it's one of those things where once you get, like, the ball rolling and, like, the various clues people have found, like, you know... It, uh, Definitely, Mickey and Minnie yeah. are members because you can find their their passport visas on in the Oceaneers lab, and they are specifically SEA branded uh, passports. <laughs> um, in Mystic Manor, you can find a portrait of member Maestro de Elfman. Yes, I was going to bring that up. It's a good Who, one. Yes, is Danny Elfman. Just straight up Danny Elfman. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's like one of those things where it's like I never would have expected Disney to have an Illuminati. Like a, Yeah. Like, like, I, like I buy that Disney has like an Illuminati, like IRL, mm-hmm. you know. 
but like a a storyline involving an Illuminati that connects like all these different rides. Yeah. Um, it's I don't know. It's like really massages my brain it, just right. And I feel like that's what they were really getting at in developing it was how do we. I feel like the grand question was, how do we combat the level of IP in the parks? Mm-hmm. How do we balance yeah. that? And it feels like this is the balance where there is an entire world going on behind behind Disney, behind Disneyland, that's connecting everything mm-hmm. together in a way that positively reflects on the brand as a whole. Yeah, and it's a great way to update and modernize a lot of these rides. Like you said, um, the Harrison Hightower aspect came about because in Japan they don't really know the Twilight Zone. Yeah. And I would wager that, you know, as time goes on, the Twilight Zone, it gets like, you know, much less relevant here. Exactly. And they've already redesigned the Tower of Terror in Disneyland to be uh, Guardians of the Galaxy themed. Exactly. And so, like, we're already but, starting to see that. But I could see these reinventions, like, coming about because, like, you know, like I said, the, the Frontierland and Adventureland have the stench of colonialism all over them. Yeah. But now you can say it's like, oh, it's not colonialism themed. It's SEA themed. Well, and, and now there's a storyline. That's what's so interesting because, like, we're even seeing in like updates to the Jungle Cruise, like there was a distinct push to mm-hmm. start really meeting with and contending with this idea of colonialism being romanticized through its depiction of indigenous wild lands. Yeah, that just because, like, in the original rides. Like, in the original layout for Jungle Cruise, you would just see these expanses of uninhabited jungle. And that was exactly what made... That's exactly what was weaponized against indigenous peoples and against, like, foreign lands to be like, oh, You're not doing anything with it. Exactly! I'll use it! I'll take it! (laughs) And so, Mm -hmm. trying to make these lands seem more inhabited, just not just by people, but by wildlife... Um, I know they also took out the, um, they changed up the animatronics to be the wildlife chasing up the lost crew on the Jungle Cruise. And they've included what they've changed out the explorers in that lost crew to one of them being confirmed member Dr. Cone. Yeah, Dr. Cone is there. And he mm-hmm. he doesn't have his own he doesn't have his own attraction yet, but he is lost in the Jungle Cruise. Yeah, there again. It's like it's not like every named member is like connected to a ride. Mm-hmm. Um, there's in uh, Misadventure Falls, yes. which is part of Typhoon Lagoon, which is a a water attraction. Misadventure Falls is kind of where Mary Oceaneer retires to. Yeah. Um, and she sets up a little like tiki bar for other members to like stop by and say hello. And on the wall, there are all these paddles that have names scratched on them, mm-hmm. and they're all um like the idea is that anytime a member would visit Mary, they would bring a paddle from the last like river adventure they did right and they're 
and they're all hung up on the wall. And, you know, you have Dr. Albert T. Falls again, but then you have, like, members that are, like, named that, like, don't really connect to any sort of ride or attraction. They're just kind of there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I imagine, like, some Imagineer somewhere, like, knows that person's entire story. Because mm-hmm. that's what Imagineers are supposed to do and just kind of sitting on it for an attraction they can be fitted into. Right. But more and more what we are seeing is the SEA starting to escape being park exclusive. Yes. Just this year, we saw the publishing of a the first entry in a middle school book series. Yes, I do have this Shinji one. Takahashi and the Mark of the Quaddle. Yes, um, which sounds really interesting, and it raises a lot more questions than I originally had. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about this globe-trotting kid um, homeschooled by a member of the SEA who's kind of raising him to join the organization, and he's tr- globetrotting around the world, encountering these different, like, mystic artifacts, battling bad archaeologists. The Hightower um, Corporation, which mm-hmm. is my big question that I had. Like, how? Who's still running this? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we also got confirmation that there is not only going to be an SEA film, mm-hmm. but a Disney Plus series. But right now, it seems like those two are kind of, like, unrelated at the moment. It's not like the movie is a backdoor pilot for the series. Yes. It seems like they're kind of being... Nothing's being, like, filmed or in production, as far as I know. So it seems like... To me, like, they could move forward with the movie or the series, depending on how either pans out. Right. But what I have been noticing in recent years is that Disney has been licensing a lot of movies based on their attractions again. Ooh, Most yeah. notably, we got a Jungle Cruise movie, which has, um, I believe, like, a blink-and-you'll-miss-it, like, SEA logo on, like, one of the characters' uh, papers. That's something I did hear. I think I also saw, like... In there, there's a mention of Dr. Falls. Uh, they, they do mention Dr. Albert T. Falls. Um, it's his map they follow through the jungle. <laughs> um, so, like, that's that's there. And, the you know, it kind of ends on this moment of the, the characters going off on another adventure. Um, and then we're getting a Haunted Mansion movie, which we didn't really talk about the Haunted Mansion with, like, the original mansion yeah. in relation. Yeah. Um, I believe it is owned by one of the members, or was? It, it's but- weird. <clears throat> like, okay, so Constance Hatchaway, one of her husbands was George Hightower. Um, of- oh, the Hatbox Ghost is. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that that's the link there. Okay. It's it's very loose. But I did but, yeah, it, very interested to see where this is going. Did you watch the Haunted Mansion trailer? I the did. New one? Very it's about Owen Wilson like collecting together a group of like experts. Yeah. To to explore this haunted mansion and it has very strong like SEA vibes. Yeah. Like I would not be surprised if that like ended with like some sort of clue or <laughs> like if they want to start doing like a cinematic universe of the SEA, I'd be kind of into that because it's more like adventurous films and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for a while, like early on of Disney plus there was talk, they were going to do a big thunder, uh, like, 
limited series, kind of doing it like Yellowstone. Um, don't know how I feel about that still. But I don't think that ever manifested into anything mean- meaningful. No. No, no, no. I've just... Outside of that, I've also just been trying to see what the fandom is. There's... As far as I can tell, the fandom is mainly people tying together the pieces. Yeah, that's uh, mostly what I've seen. There's some, there's some, like, every, most notable creators in the fandom are really just trying to map out the lore. Mm-hmm. Like, just trying to tie together the pieces. There are entries on AO3. I would imagine. But... Because, <laughs> like we said, this has kind of been around for almost 20 years at this point. Yeah, and that's what's... But only really started picking up steam in the last 10 or so. Yes. So, like, Society of Explorers and Adventurers, not they're not really dedicated tags. But I will tell you, you all know where there's a huge crossover that I did see? There is a nominal crossover in um, Society of Adventurers and Explorers and Kingdom Hearts. On AO3. That checks out. That checks out. When Larxene finds herself on a mission at Mystic Manor and winds up in a section of the manor featuring an exhibit not normally open to the public, featuring assorted instruments of torture. <laughs> That's... What happens to Larxene in the Mystic Manor, Prue? With, with Albert tormenting her every step of the way, will Larxene make it out alive? No, don't do the monkey like that! <laughs> What? What? It's it's fucking rainbow cupcakes with uh the this is okay scene okay okay so this is this is titled Blood to Drink by Vitamin Anime on Archive of Our Own and I'm interested in this. There are quite the tags: guillotine, gallows, basements, Iron Maiden freeform, rack freeform, Judas Cradle. <laughs> Salem Witch Trials. Oh. I'm very... Black comedy. Cartoon violence. Oh, cartoon violence with the Judas Cradle. <laughs> <laughs> There's five works tagged Harrison Hightower III. Mm-hmm. And there is one user who is just using these tags. Using these tags. Like, shout out to CTX Rover on AO3. You are doing... You are working. You are writing. There's one interesting yeah. work in here called Joe Rody, where it's Harrison Hightower III is perturbed by his resemblance to Imagineer Joe Rody. Yes, a lot of these uh, characters are, like, made to resemble Imagineers. Yeah, and so... Which is kind of, like, a fun meta thing yeah. to me. Yeah, and it's really fun. Like, that that also really informs, like, Maestro D'Elfman, who, like, Danny Elfman did the score for Mystic Manor. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it makes sense that he's also a member of SEA. And so, yeah, it's like Joe Rody did. Um, he's very famous for he was very involved in um, Pandora, Land of Avatar and yeah. um, Expedition Everest. <clears throat> and so yeah. and he also he also is very uninvolved with SEA. Yeah, that's kind of a lot of these are tributes. Yeah, it's not like people are. He there's a there's a Twitter exchange from one of these bloggers who's a creator in this sphere. Um, mm-hmm. This is jungleskipper.com, and he had a Twitter okay. exchange with Joe Rody where Joe even says, "I thought SEA was mostly fan driven." 
Mm. And so, like, just to show yeah. just how out of it he is. And so I just find that really, really interesting. Yeah, so, like, there's no, like, there's some fan art of some OCs on Tumblr, but nothing, like, nothing's gone off the deep end. A lot of what I've seen is ki- people kind of being, like, waiting yes. to get official content. People are waiting. Like, a lot of what I found is people being like, oh, my God, what if at the end of the Haunted Mansion movie, The Rock shows up and inducts Owen Wilson into the SEA? <laughs> Um, <clears throat> I'm imagining that, and I'm just like, oh, how close are we to an Avengers initiative? Yeah, I like, and I don't know if that's what I want. <laughs> hmm. I think I, as far as like cinematic universes go, I, I, I'm pretty done with, uh, a movie for every member of the big team up. Oh God, yeah, I'm that. I'm not there for that. Yeah, I think I'm more just, like, movies that take place in the same universe. Yeah. Yeah, like the way we we used to do crossovers and and, in jokes. Yeah. I love that. Um, It was was interesting to me that there's not a lot of, like, sci-fi. Is that weird? There's nothing really in Tomorrowland for the SEA. Other than, like, the existence of, like, Discoveryland in... um, Disney Paris is like yeah. based on Discovery. <sighs> Discovery Land is like based on Discovery Bay, which is like Jason yes. Chandler. And so like you have that connection, which by the way, Jason Chandler has been purported to be part of the new Disney SEA properties. They're talking about mm-hmm. reinventing him as a um, retired Buffalo soldier before mm-hmm. becoming like this incredibly impactful inventor and tycoon and so i that's interesting there's some interesting ideas going on here where again Mm -hmm. we're really talking about disney existing in a in a 21st century space (laughs) at at this stage there is so little like a lot when you like the Mm storylines of a lot of rides you really only know by like talking to the um, Imagineers and a lot of pre-production footage, they'll be like, oh, this is what the story is. Yeah. But actually, like, going through... The act of going through, like, any queue and riding a ride at Disneyland, you wouldn't... That's not always, like, apparent unless you're looking for that, you know? No, and especially with the existence of Fast Pass lanes, sometimes you don't mm. even really get to see anything. Don't even get to see the queue. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so just, like... Like, I can't stress enough, like how obscure a lot of these details are like sometimes it is just like a a page on a wall in a queue that depending on the speed of the queue you could walk right past yeah or not even know it's there like i can't i have to imagine like part of the appeal from the imagineers um or from the business side is like ooh, we're encouraging people to ride the ride multiple times to get all the lore <laughs> Or stuff like that. Ultimately, that's like that's where I'm kind of like, I don't care how prolific this gets in the parks. Because it's never going to be so in your face that you have mm. to pay attention to it. Yeah, if it gets to the phase where it's like, you know, they're like, oh, so you know the SEA, right? Well, this is a member of blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, like, 
let this remain like an obscure fun thing. Like you can do a movie, you can do a series yeah. and then like make a ride out of that. Yeah. But like, I don't need this to become like the park's thing. Yeah. I don't need this to overtake the park. D- like Disney SEA is supposed to be a great encapsulation of like the spirit of Disneyland. Like what Walt Disney wanted Disneyland to be. Mm-hmm. And like that was supposed to be what that that's what I see in a lot of SEA is kind of embodying those values. And so as long as it doesn't get to a part where now you're literally going to if it starts to impact your takeaways from a ride. <laughs> yeah, this ride didn't have enough SEA lore on it. Like, Three out of ten. <laughs> it's the whole thing where people are like, yeah, but I want an entire Figment ride. It's like, yeah, but if you want, like, what about people who don't care about who Figment is? Mm, I, yeah, definitely that feeling. Like, the the part of the, Di- like, the Disney adults that are all about the parks and the lore. Yeah. Somewhat scare me in their knowledge of trivial things. I feel intimidated. <laughs> Which I guess this episode is us outing ourselves as casual Disney adults. I I said at the start that I only, like, learned about this this year. Yeah. But yes, I am, like, a di- I, I did a whole thing on Kingdom Hearts. Of course I'm a Disney adult. E- exactly. And I, and I have been that annoying family member that points out to, like, when we go on trips to Disney, being like, oh, these are the characters in Haunted Mansion. Th- those are normal Disney adult things. Those are, that's very normal <laughs> behavior. Yeah. But, like. I, I was excited for Muppet Haunted Mansion. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Like, I, I'm not, oh man, there's, there's levels of Disney adult that do scare me, that, that, that do, but there are also, like, if you are a millennial, you more than likely are accidentally a Disney adult just by proximity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we were, like, yeah. we grew up with the effects of I'm going to Disneyland being what you wanted to do as a goal in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I feel like... Society of Explorers and Adventurers is just a fun thing to add on top of that. It feels something that is very, like, savvy for for the internet. You know, yeah. we live in an age of fan wikis and lore as a, a commonly used word. Yeah. Um, and so, like, an Imagineer really cluing in on that and giving people, like, a trail of breadcrumbs to spiderweb together. Yeah. Um, that's very clever. And I, I give them a ton of credit for that. Um, yeah. I guess I should be said, which, which wiki, which wikis did you use? Um, I was kind of all over the place. Cause this is one of those things where it's like the documentation isn't great. Yeah. Um, but the S dot E dot a wiki the Society of Explorers and Adventurers fandom wiki. Yeah. Um, I also just used the Disneyland wikis. I'm on the, to really... the Disney fandom wiki. And Wikipedia itself, because yeah. every attraction has a Wikipedia entry. Um, it was very hard actually following finding history of Fortress Explorations. Yeah. Because I was kind of thrown off that it opened in 2001, but I, I always thought it had... Um, the way I was told is that it opened after the Explorers Club on Pleasure Island shut down. But actually, that was seven years after it opened. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, there was a little bit of a little bit of crossover there. Mm-hmm. And if you go to Jock's Hangar Bar, 
you can order a Kungaloosh, <laughs> which is a special mixed drink that's on the secret menu. The secret menu. The actual secret menu. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, just go go look into this for yourself. Yeah, uh, you know if you just like references to you know the the kind of person that's like likes connecting a bunch of different like properties together based on crossovers and cameos, it's a fun thing to do. I'd say I, so. I would look forward to to looking for this next time I go to any Disney park. Oh, me too, for sure. Th- yeah, see, like there in there's such a wealth of information that even at the end of like an hour 40 that we're recording now, hopefully less in editing that mm. I feel like we've missed a ton of stuff. <laughs> oh, certainly. And, Absolutely. You know. It's like, if there's, if there's Duffy lore at the Disney parks, <laughs> this is like, this <laughs> yeah. is like a step above that. <laughs> mm. It's like a good step above mm. that where this is like an active presence in the parks. Now there's plenty to learn, plenty to look into. And uh, coming official, like, mixed media stuff. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, now we'll it's see how that be... pans out. Oh, yeah. Well, this has been This Podcast is a Bad Idea. Yes. Do you, do you have I am, any I am plugs Murph. to plug, Murph? Uh, you can hear me on the Daydream cast. Um, though we haven't really uh, done, like, a proper episode in a while. I believe your your beau will be on the next episode, uh, talking with my co-host Brogan about Mother 1 and 2 and 3. Great games. I Great, great games. I'm very excited to hear that episode. Um, but I believe the next episode with me will be uh, Dead Space, which uh, it's kind of been on the back burner for various and sundry reasons. Um, and, but yeah, go check out our, our YouTube channel. Rogan's been putting up a lot of video essays and stuff there. He's been in uh, PAX East this last weekend. Dispersing. So he'll have an article going up. Dispersing uh, business on the cards. Twin Peaks. Rubbing elbows. Dispersing business cards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I taught him. I taught him the craft. <laughs> Everything he knows about leaving business cards in bathrooms. Networking. Solid skill. <laughs> a good episode what, what, what about you Fru? What, what, what i this is all i you do you exist this is all i do murph <laughs> i sit in a chair and i wait for us to record again fair <laughs> enough fair enough well dear listener go out and enjoy life look out for mothers-in-laws attempting to beat you with their her boobs <laughs> look for the secret signs kungaloosh uh, and go go find some boys to piss on you stop <laughs> a good place to stop. <laughs> Kungaloosh, motherfucker. <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna hit stop. <laughs>